Hello, welcome to the first of a three-part podcast series on ancient Egyptian agriculture. This first podcast will focus on the start of Egyptian agriculture in the pre-dynastic period and the long-term effect it had on the Old Kingdom, specifically how it shaped the economy and led to the creation of an Egyptian society and government by looking at a breakdown of what it took to have a sustainable economy based on agriculture and whether or not it was sustainable over a long time period. The beginning of what would become the agricultural economy of Egypt in the Old Kingdom gets its start in the pre-dynastic period. This is where we see the two staple crops that the Egyptians will rely on most begin to be cultivated. The crops I am referring to are wheat and barley. At the important pre-dynastic site of Hyrek on Polis, archaeological teams which have been digging at the site have found, quote, charred grains of emmer wheat and barley. This report also goes on to say that, quote, the remains of emmer wheat being more common than those of barley. This will become more important when in the future Egyptian bread, known as trest loaf, or just trist loaf, will be a mixture of the two cereal grains, and a two-third barley per one of wheat. This bread is the foundation of what will be the backbone of Egyptian agricultural economic system, and set up the tradition of using both of these grains in tandem. Thanks to a report done by R. L. Miller, who broke down the caloric count of one of these loaves of bread to 213.6 calories, and establishing that a worker performing manual labor must consume 2,000 calories to maintain a sustainable body mass, we're able to get a glimpse of how and why the Egyptian state took the shape it did based on an economy of grain. To get an idea of what sort of logistics would be needed in an agricultural society, let's look at a simple model. Not taking into account beer, which for the sake of creating an easier to visualize model will be admitted from this equation. However, beer is made from the same ingredients as bread and would thus have a similar economic footprint. If a human body must intake 2,000 calories of food per day just to sustain weight and function, then that means that they would have to consume a daily ration of 9.36 trist loaf. This would mean for one person over the course of a single month would require 280.8 loaves of bread just to maintain their body. Add in the idea that people don't live alone in society. So let's add more people who would live in the same area, say something like a small village of 20. This means that for a village, for one month to just sustain their weight, they would need enough grain to make 5,616 loaves of bread for one month. But people don't just eat for one month. They never stop. So after one year, those 20 people would need enough grain to make 67,392 loaves of bread, which is a lot of grain. This logistical nightmare is why you see the creation of officials known as viziers, who, quote, were responsible for the registration of people and property for tax purposes. These taxes were, quote, based on the extent of heritable land. This means that there had to be appointed, specially trained people whose job it was to see how many people were living and how much land could be farmed, and then to collect food so that it could later be paid back to the people as a form of payment for labor done in the name of government. The system of taxation 
of food to repay people on large works is how the massive structures of the Old Kingdom would be built. This economic system was both sustainable and not sustainable at the same time. It holds well with the economic sustainability because of two reasons. One, that there is always a value for the traded good. People will always need to eat, so agricultural goods will always have value. This means that this form of economy is not dependent on a social structure to give value, which is what we'll see with currency later on in history. The other benefit is the fact that it is a perishable good. This means that there will never be a sudden influx that could cause widespread deflation of what can be bought with the goods, providing an economic stability as a form of currency. The flip side, however, is that there are two major factors that have way too much sway over the system that make it not sustainable for a long-term period. Nature and greed. Nature affects the system because long droughts or periods of low inundation of the Nile can directly affect the amount of food supply, drastically limiting that year's economy. The other flaw of this agroeconomic system is pointed out by Jeremir Malik in his chapter on the Old Kingdom in the Oxford History of Ancient Egypt. That the movement to larger state projects like the pyramids affects the manpower needed to farm, quote, because of the need to support those who had been removed from, the farm produ from food production. This added with the, quote, consumption and expectations of those who joined the managerial elite that basically the system became too top-heavy and that there was not enough people to create the basic foodstuff needed to maintain this system of economy, that there was not enough growth to be economically sustainable over the long-term building of a large bureaucracy needed to govern a large state, which Egypt was quickly becoming. So this concludes the first podcast. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it and found it informative. Please continue. Uh, continue on to the next one and leave a comment below if you have any questions or comments. Have a great day.